Second Corinthians chapter number four and verses one through five. And if you're there, we'll read it together here. It says, therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not. Now, congregational, uh, the church is being talked to that we all have a ministry. As we have received mercy, we faint not. All right? Uh, Fainting is the idea of quitting or stopping. And so, verse number two here, but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. I've said it, I think, several times now, that personally, as the new pastor, and I'm not saying, uh, uh, I can't say that for anybody else, Pastor Cole, I believe, as he pastor for 40 years, was as honest as anybody man uh, can be. He lived an honest life. Now, some people are a little bit more privy to their private life, and there's nothing wrong with that. Some of us could use some of that. Some of us could use to be a little bit more quiet about our private life. That's not a bad thing, all right? Not everybody needs to know everything that you're doing, all right? That's not, that's not necessarily a bad thing. Uh, but at the same time, the idea here in Scripture is now that we have a ministry, we have a job to be done, there's a servant uh, there's a service for us to do, the idea of ministry, ministers to serve, is that we need to renounce the things that are hidden, things that maybe we hide, uh, maybe we have some agenda, we have some uh, goals, maybe ambition, and uh, a lot of times uh, those are, are dangerous things, all right? And so we have to be careful with that. And we're not walking in craftiness. We're not trying to be wise, Alex. We're not trying to be uh, smart, and we're not trying to manipulate. I've said that a hundred times, if not more than that. And I'll keep saying it to you. Nor handling the word of God deceitfully. My job is not to wield the sword so I can get what I want out of you. And no Christian should be wielding the sword, the word of God, to any other Christian with an intention to get something out of them. There's many false prophets out there that tell you the truths of Scripture and give you a pretense thought or an idea that says, if you do this, this will happen to you. And it's not based on Scripture, or if it is, it's very shallow and it's not contextual in Bible. It's just maybe a verse or two they picked it up, and they'll come up and tell you this is what it is. And then they gain from that. Uh, as a pastor, as a minister of the Word of God, uh, ultimately, I'm responsible to the God of the book. And I have to teach this Bible pure. I have to teach it with, with utmost sincerity. And it has to be truthful. It has to be founded in the right things. All right? I can't be teaching you wrong things, uh, even though I'm sincere. I appear to be sincere about it. I have to be right. I have to do what God says. And so, uh, as a Christian, uh, this is not just talking about pastors. As a Christian, this passage is not just talking about people that maybe are in places of uh, uh, authority or teaching something. It's talking to all of us Christians. We have all a ministry. And we need to be careful uh, with our hidden agendas and our hidden uh, thoughts and, 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 uh, and our lust to, to gain things. And sometimes uh, people join ministry or join a religion 
to make something out of it for themselves. Uh, it is to gain to them things that they should not. They're using religion as a tool to manipulate and control people, uh, not according to what God says. And so we have to be careful. And look at the truth here. It says that by manifestation of truth, uh, the, the life that we live should be lived by the truth of the word of God. Our, our, our faith and practice are based on Bible truths. And so for me to live a life, uh, it has to be shown that I'm living the truthful life as a Christian. And look at this, commending, showing ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. We need to live truthfully in the sight of men and in the sight of God. There is no pretense in what we do. We're not pretending. Uh, we're not trying to hide behind some kind of uh, cloak or uh, a mask. We are in it because we really believe what we believe. We're in church today because we really believe what the Bible says. And so we live our lives in a very, very transparent way. All right? Let your light so shine before men. All right? We have responsibility as a Bible believer upon receiving Christ as our Savior. Now our life is a testament and it's a testimony to the world that God is real and that God can change a sinful man and a sinful woman. And he can transform us and he can, by his grace, make us trophies that we were once an offscouring of the world and we were miry in the miry clay and God can set us up and set us on a rock and establish our goings. And so God is working in our life to do that and we have that ministry here. But verse 3, look at what it says. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world had blinded the minds of them which believed not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. We are mere instruments to carry to the next person Christ. As somebody uh, carried Christ to us and introduced Christ to us, the whole goal of us being saved and the whole goal of sanctification is simply to make us more effective and more productive in seeing souls saved. That's, that's our goal. That's the mission that we have in this life. It's for seeing souls to get saved and God working in us as saved individuals to get us to the place that our life, our behavior, our mindset, our attitude, our spirit resonates and does not contradict the goal. And that goal is to see another soul saved. Another soul come to know Jesus Christ truly as their Lord and Savior. The manner we speak, the manner that we carry ourselves, the way we do business, the way, the way we live on this life is all, it's all only for the reason to see uh, people get saved because that gives God the glory in the things that is done in that. Look at verse number four, in whom, the God of this world, right? Uh, verse number five, for we preach not ourselves, uh, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus Christ sake. So be mindful of anybody that stands up as a leader of any kind, of any denomination, of anything that pushes their personal agenda. You have to be careful because Christ, even Paul here, is very, very clear. I did not come here with my own knowledge and with my own inventions and with my own imaginations and the way I want it done. No, I'm coming to you 
being moved by the Holy Ghost, and I'm going to tell you what God says. I'm just a mere instrument to tell you what God wants. We are here for God's agenda. We are here to know God's opinion. We are here to know what God wants, not necessarily what Chris Barron wants. And anybody that uh, represents Jesus as a human form uh, that he has established in his word as parents, we're not raising our kids for ourselves to get uh, selfish uh, motives that we have maybe, and that's not the goal. We need to raise them in the Lord and that they need to follow Jesus and ultimately obey God. And it means sometimes as parents, they'll do things that we don't want, but they'll do what God wants. And so that is with the case here as we look at here. And we're dealing with lesson 11 now, and it's the idea of real labor, real labor, working and serving in the ministry and the work of God with him. Real church requires real labor. Real church requires real labor. What's that? Genuine. Let's talk about it here. All the hidden things of dishonesty is gone. There is no deceitfulness here. We're very transparent in the sight of man and God. We're very clear to let you know our intentions. We're very clear to let you know how that we feel we need to obey the word of God. We tell you when you come to this church, we bring the textbook all the time, every day, every time we meet. We bring the textbook every time anybody says anything. Uh, there are uh, been given to to know that it has to be from the Bible. All right, and uh, that's where we get the truth, and that's what we're getting the teaching from. So, what is real labor? It's genuine, wholehearted work. All right, real labor is genuine, wholehearted work. Look at 1 Thessalonians chapter number 2 and verse number 9. It's in your notes, I believe. For ye remember, brethren, our labor and travail. For laboring night and day, because we would not be chargeable unto any of you. Look at the, look at the motive here. Look at the sincerity here. Look at the, the, the heart uh, that, uh, that Paul was saying here to the Thessalonica. Because we would not be chargeable unto any of you. We preach unto you the gospel of God. Very, very transparent about that. We're here to let people know that Jesus is the only way that anybody can have any relationship with God and going to heaven is through Jesus Christ. The local church requires the labor of God's people if the church will accomplish its purpose of spreading the gospel. It's very clear. I talked about last Sunday morning that God desires for us to work with other people He has designed it that we should not be alone in our labor. We should join in our labor with other people. Let's join in the labor uh, that God has called them and invite others to join you in what God has called you. Uh, And invite other people, befriend people, and say, hey, I want to do this. Would you care to join us? Would you care to join us in this endeavor? Labor for the Lord is not reserved for the church planter or the pastor, or church staff. It is for every member of the church. Serving the Lord is a great privilege, no matter how insignificant our area of service may seem. God sees and will reward our work for him. Hebrews 6.10, For God is not unrighteous. He is not unrighteous to forget your work 
and labor of love. And that's why I say this in token. If we are to be like Jesus Christ, if somebody does some kind of labor and somebody does some kind of ministry towards you, they've been a blessing to you in some way. They even gave you maybe a card just to remind you it's your birthday. Maybe they'll give you a card. They know something happened in your life, and they just want to tell you, we've been praying for you. Uh, in a lot of ways, it's a Christian, Christian way of saying, I'm thinking about what's going on in your life, and I'm trying to empathize with you. And any of those things, I, I recommend and I suggest we respond with a thankful heart, and we let them know we're grateful for any attempt they have made towards us to be a blessing, all right? Their attempt of warming us up, uh, let us return that warmth that they gave us and let them know, thank you for that card. That, that meant a lot. Thank you for that gesture. Thank you for that, uh, for that phone call. Thank you for visiting. Or thank you for keeping me in mind in my hour of need. So think about that. Be generous. Be liberal to people with thankfulness. Just flood them with it. Be always thankful with people around you. He's not unrighteous to forget your work and labor love, which ye have showed toward his name, in that ye have ministered to the saints and do minister. Okay? We may enter an area of ministry or service in the church with excitement and gratitude, but over time, our focus shifts and our enthusiasm wanes. And that's so true. Something is exciting at first, but then as you continue to work and as you continue to labor, it's hard to maintain, and excitement goes away. Duty has to kick in, and duty then requires you to be uh, uh, a little bit more sacrificial now, a little bit more giving, and, and, and all of those things uh, sometimes detain us and say, no, I'm not doing it anymore. I'm done. And we faint. As the scripture says here, we should not faint. We should not quit. If we find something to do that's good, it's good to do it. Just keep doing it. Keep doing it. No matter the results, keep doing it. Now, mind the results. If something you're doing is not working, all right, be wise and find some help and change something, all right, that is not working. All right? Something is wrong. You have to fix it. All right? But don't stop with this idea of trying to get the gospel to the next person. So instead of it being a privilege, after the excitement is gone, we now look at it as a burden. Right? Imagine when we first got saved. All of us probably remember this. The excitement we have. The zeal we have as a young Christian. But isn't it funny? As time progresses, we realize uh, it's work. I remember when I was first married, and I didn't believe people when they said, oh, that will wear away. I didn't know what they meant. But I understand now what they mean, all right, that infatuation stage will go away. Reality sits in. And the reality sits in, guess what? That red marriage takes work to get it, to get it where it needs to be and maintain it where it should be. And so is with the church, your relationship with the people. You don't take it for granted. Because, well, I have nothing against them. They're not, there's, there's nothing against me. I've done nothing wrong to them. I, I've not even said a word to them. 
Maybe you should start with saying, hey, I'm so-and-so. I've been going to the church for you for 10 years. You sit on the other side of the aisle. I sit on this side of the aisle. By my way, my name is so-and-so. Let me introduce myself. What is your name? Maybe the problem is we're cold. Maybe we're not warm and inviting and friendly. And so... Uh, we need to do those things. We might not have offended them. We might not hurt them. We've done nothing wrong against them. But we have not extended ourselves to let them know, I can be a friend if you want me to. And we just shut that off and say, no, nothing to do with that. Rome, uh, Psalms 84 and verse 10. For a day in thy courts is better than a thousand. I had rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tent of wickedness. Find the joy. You left it somewhere, find it. Find the joy in doing things with God and for God. Find that joy. And once you find it again, protect it. Keep it. Don't let anybody steal it from you. All right? Don't let circumstance, don't let people's negativism, don't let people's opposition, don't let anything, anything hamper the joy you can have with God. No human should ever stop you from enjoying your God. If you're living right and you're doing what God says, you're going to have enemies in all areas. You're going to have enemies that doesn't like because you're happy. Guess what? Be happy. Remain happy. There's nothing you can do because God is so gracious and good to you. Just be happy. Enjoy God and relish in his joy. In reality, the greatest and most eternal work we do is what we do in the service of the Lord. This is the work that will last us throughout all eternity. This is the work in, 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 in getting the gospel to the next person. Gets the job done. Uh, my wife in the Philippines, uh, she did exactly what she's doing today with me in the ministry here. She's very involved. She, she grew up in a Christian home, and uh, her dad was a pastor all of her, all of her life. She, she lived in the pastor's home. And uh, one of the things that really attracted me to her is the fact that she enjoyed the ministry, even living in a Christian in a pastor's home. Because I've talked to some people that live in the ministry, and uh, it can make children bitter or it can make them better. And it depends on their choices. It depends on their choices, how they're going to view the hardship of the ministry. Because there's some hardship in the ministry. Uh, there's some misunderstanding that will happen that will develop in hurt feelings and, and uh, separation. You know, people walk out of your church and you don't have any idea why. And, uh, or they upset at you because you promoted an idea that maybe wasn't theirs. And it didn't line up exactly to the way they wanted it. Or you caused them uh, to be uncomfortable because you're pushing them to reach a potential that maybe they have not realized. You're saying... Hey, you can do more. You can do better. And by that alone, they look at you like, no, don't push us. And so I don't know. But I, I, I looked at her and said, I want to be in the ministry. That says something. For somebody that grew up in the ministry, and she was a secretary to her dad. She made phone calls. Did you know this? The first meeting I had as a uh, fella going to be in the mission field, was her dad. And guess who arranged the meeting? Guess who I talked to on the phone? It was her. 
Yes, Mr. Barron, what time are you going to be here? What, what day would work for you? My dad gave me the calendar, and this is the days that are open for us. I had no idea I was being sucked into the web, and uh, she had plans. And I'm so glad I, I went through. That was the best decision, one of my best decisions I ever did, and uh, I'm glad for it. But so, uh, she loved the ministry. Are you growing tired of your God? Hey, you can get tired of the ministry of this church. That's fine. All right? You can get tired of the ministry that is promoted here in this church. That's fine. Because some of them, we have to promote something. We have to have a goal. We're human too as leaders here, and we have to promote something. And so I'll promote that. I don't know what to do. We have to be a soul owner. So one of my ideas this past year is let's go, uh, let's go door hanging. That's just an idea. Don't, you don't have to be upset. If you don't like it, don't like it. That's, you're not going against God if you don't do anything like that. But I have to promote something, right? I have to promote the, something that resembles the fact that we're trying to get the gospel to the next person. And the funny thing is, every time we have door hang in Eden, we have done it twice. And two times, there's somebody that shows up every time. The last time we did it for the Roundup Sunday, an older lady came with her brother. The first one was a family that I scared half to death because I shouted. Remember all that? You guys remember that? And they never showed back up again. And then on North Collins, and both times, by the way, Pleasant Avenue. Oh, I hope nobody listening to Pleasant Avenue, Eden. I have to be careful. I hate that thing in the internet. But uh, <clears throat> because of this reason, there's a lady that, wrote, that called us and left the number and said, do not come back to our house. And I'm glad I was with my daughter and we did Pleasant Avenue. And my daughter remembered that lady, that, that house. They said, never come back here. And the way I did it was, I was driving, and Abigail was on the front seat, and she would open the door, and I would go to the next, and I got my, my hazard light, and I got it from the, my uh, postal daddy that I could uh, put uh, flyers as long as I used the flag, and I don't put it inside the mailbox, because some of them don't have any savers. And so that was what we were doing. And she got to the house, she said, don't go in there, Dad. Don't, we can't put anything in there, because that woman's mad at us. And I said, okay, let's just move on. And then... In uh, North Collins, we did it one time, and the lady wrote us a letter and saying, uh, with, with, uh, with the wonderful words of encouragement, don't you ever come back to my house. But there was a young Filipina that showed up from North Collins and visited us on one of our services, right? And so I have to promote something, but don't get tired of God. Right? God's going to give you an idea probably better than mine. God's going to give you a way that's better than mine to get somebody else the gospel. Maybe God's going to use your friendly personality. Maybe it's going to, God's going to change your grouchiness and going to make you sweet. I don't know what God's going to do. All right? Don't get hanged up. Uh, we got men's conference. You don't have to go to the men's conference. Right? But that promotes sanctification. That promotes us being better men. That's the idea behind that. You don't have to go to that particular church, to that particular state dinner they're going to have. You don't have to listen to the muckraken. I'm going to invite him to our church so that one day I could just say this. I'm going to release the muckraken on you guys. I'm going to do that. I'm going to invite him just for that. I'm going to talk to him this Saturday. Pray for me. I'm going to say, hey, brother, would you ever care to go to Eden and preach for us a message or two on Sunday or do, a, do our, one of our meetings? So that would be good. He's been very helpful to me. Been very transparent, been true to his word, uh, preaching the truth. 
very, very, very effective. So uh, at, any, at any rate, uh, you might get tired of the way things are done in the church that you go to. But don't, don't get tired of their God. Don't get tired of God. Don't get tired of God. And God wants you to bring somebody to him. And you can use this platform to do that. Go find a way to get somebody in the sound of the gospel. Labor with your God. All right? Uh, Real labor for God includes the mundane as well as the glamorous. It includes the thankless jobs and the jobs that gets all the praise. A real service for God includes all of those. The things that uh, you do that are unseen, that you don't even get any kind of recognition. In fact, they don't even know that those are being done unless you're gone for a long, long time. And then even at that, they might not even notice. Right? Like these lights are, you know somebody turns these lights on. Somebody keeps the battery on them. Somebody does that as a ministry in the church. Somebody turns that red light in the back there. Somebody does that. Somebody opens the door. Somebody puts away all of your prayer uh, books. You notice that on Sunday morning, uh, you notice that you don't put it properly where you should. And then Sunday night, all of a sudden, they're back where they should be. And then you mess it all up again. Right? Somebody does that for a ministry. Do you know that? Somebody in our church, among you, they're among you. They do that. They do that as a form of ministry. As a form of real service. And they always have the happiest faces. I know something, some, something went wrong because these lights were not on this morning when I came. Right? And so I always remember to tell these people, thank you. Thank you for what you do. And so the insignificant work, the, the one that gets all the accolades, uh, the heart has to remain the same. This is, has to be real labor, genuine labor. Local church ministry cannot take place without local church labor. All right? There's three responsibilities. Christian servant needs to be committed in real labor. All right? And and I got a promotion for you for ministry right here. I'll pass it on the 11 o'clock service. Real promotion to get us doing real labor. (laughs) Uh, First, recognize your role. Recognize your role. Right? Every Christian is to labor for the Lord. Every Christian is to labor for the Lord. That's that's already proven to us in 2 Corinthians 4.1, our text verse. But it says, therefore seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not. We are, we are in service. Ephesians 2.10, we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. And so that is what it is. Letter A, began at salvation. Began at salvation. Your first blank, Roman numeral 1, is recognize. R-E-C-O-G-N-I-C-E. And then letter A is, it began at salvation. That's your blank at letter A. S-A-L-V-A-T-I-O-N. Look at 2 Corinthians on your notes. Uh, chapter number 3 and verse number 6. It says, who also had made us able ministers of the New Testament. Who also had made us able ministers of the New Testament. We need to find that. Christ is the one that helps us to do of his good pleasure, the Holy Ghost. Uh, What is our message as servants? It began in salvation. What is our message? It is the gospel. 
1 Corinthians 15. The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus that made salvation possible to all people. There's only one salvation, and that's through a person, Jesus Christ. Because we're naturally selfish. We're prone to want to be served rather than to serve. All right? Yet, even Christ himself saw his chief purpose as serving. So we struggle because we're naturally selfish and we're prone to want to be served. But Christ showed us his nature right away. The very, very start, if if I say his day view, his day view as Christians, you know, we're named after him. Uh, And it was his life of service. That's how he showed it. His first entrance in human form on, on earth was that he was a servant. Very, very clear in scripture. And so to deviate from that attitude to Philippians chapter number two, to deviate from that mindset, to deviate from from that idea, then we're not really living Christian lives when we're very selfish and self-centered and want things to be done the way we want them. All right? Mark 10, 45. For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister. And a side note here, he deserves true service at the utmost best. He deserves it. But when he came, he's showing us the way a Christian should live. And he did not come to be served. He came to serve. And to deviate and to go away, I can't, I can't say it any other way. We're wrong. We're wrong. We're wrong. For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. His life, a ransom for many. And the verse I quoted to you guys, Ephesians 2, 8 to 10, it talks about, for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourself, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, unto good works, which God had before ordained that we should walk in them. We are given ministry opportunities. If you are paying attention, you are given ministry opportunities. And I hope you don't miss them. You don't miss the chance to serve other people. Will other people swindle you? Would other people uh, make you pay for the risk you took? Would other people use what you have done good towards them, against you? Would they despise you? Would they uh, say all matter of evil against you? Yes. Yes, I cannot, I cannot lie to you. I cannot, I cannot sugarcoat this enough. I, I, cannot, I cannot make this any... That truth is so scary. And it's so deterrent to some of us wanting to serve other people. Because it's so real. It's so real. But I'm so glad somebody took a chance on me. And that's what I go back again. I'll give everybody a chance. 
And if they bite me in the hand, guess what? I'm going to be wise again not to put my hands in there. And God doesn't mind you to learn. There's some very deceitful people out there that want your money. And they're going to tell you a sob story. And they're going to do whatever they want after they're lost. So you have to be careful. I've learned in the Philippines. Man, wow. I thought, man, I'm doing this person a favor. I'm going to give them all this money. And they're going to take their kids and going to go to school with the money. No, they left the area. I've never seen them again. I don't know what happened to them. So I understand your, your extension of yourself and you're going to be vulnerable and you're going to take the risk and you're hanging out there on the limb can cause you to fall and get hurt. But God will right all the wrongs. He really will. He will always right all the wrongs. Have I been, uh, have I been ridiculed for trying to be good? To them, have I they uh, they turn their back on me? Yes, yes. I know people. I can name that. It's in my mind. But somebody said this: you can't expect sinners not to sin. You can't expect sinners not to sin. That's why God battled it so much. That's why He gave His very best. And guess what, guys? We win. Sin is overcome. There is forgiveness. There is a change that you can have. You're under a vice. Maybe you're under some kind of form of uh, oppression in the sense of uh, uh, you got in trouble with, uh, with things, uh, with substances that control you, and you can't do anything, but you have to have these things. There's power in God that you can overcome those. And you don't have to be brought under the power of any. You can submit yourself to God, and God's all-powerful, all and he will take the vices from you. And some, it will be overnight, and some, it will take some time, but yet, the Holy Ghost works, and it can be done. The bitterness, the unforgiveness that haunts you, uh, the, the abuse that you've experienced that you have not uh, found how to forgive and how to live life again. Man, there's some things that happen to people that it puts them in a weird, in a weird funk. It's just bad. There's bad things that happen to people. Innocent kids that have been traumatized by wicked people. And man, we need to love on those and we need to help them find a way to live a, a life again that, that's seemingly normal. Right? Things have been done to you. You've been wronged. I understand. I understand you didn't do nothing wrong. You, you just, you're just minding your business. You're trying to serve God, and somebody, man, slaps you across the face. Somebody does you wrong. The God solution is forgiveness. It's always been the same. To, to relinquish those hurt and come to God and say, man, I don't know how to forgive these people. But you told me, by faith, I have to trust you, and so I'm going to give it to you. And let God do the work in your life. And let God do some real work in your life uh, to be effective in his, in his work in seeing souls saved. God will give us supernatural gifts that gives us the ability by the Holy Ghost to do things after salvation. Look at First Peter 4.10. 
As every man had received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. We, 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 uh, we, uh, we, we think of God's grace as something great. And it is. It gets us, uh, it gets us ability to do beyond what we're able ourselves to do. We are naturally fallen men and women. Sin is our enemy, but God comes along as a friend and says, I will die for you so you can be with me. And then I will take you out of the clutches of sin, and I will give you the ability to overcome it. And you can overcome evil with good. And so I I, I challenge everybody, find the hurt. Ask God to help you forgive the people that hurt you, and then overcome it with goodness and grace. Do something that will blow their minds and say, what? I didn't deserve that. And then you're doing the Christian thing because God didn't deserve to die for us. But he, he blew those Pharisees' mind away. And the Pharisees were self-seekers. They, they, they self, uh, they, 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 they're pretending that they were hurt and they had ego. They, had, uh, they wanted their self to be promoted. Look at me, I fasted. And all the deceitfulness of religion has, has entangled them. And God comes across, the one that deserves what the Pharisees wanted all along, and he gave it. He just kept giving it. He kept giving it. The kids... The disciples have suffered them not. Don't let them come. They're just going to discern. He said, no, no, let them come. Let them come. The people that are unseen, the, the, the widow with two mites that nobody noticed, God paid attention and said, look at what that lady did. Uh, the lady that, uh, that was caught in adultery, God says, uh, where are your accusers? Uh, you're forgiven. Go and sin no more. And over and over again, you find Jesus just serving giving a kind word, giving an encouraging word, giving a nice look, giving a smile, just, just doing something to help other people. And he served people. Dill Moody said this, a good many are kept out of the service of Christ, deprived of the luxury of working for God because they're trying to do something great. Let us be willing to do little things. And let us remember that nothing is small in which God is the true source. If you come to me, because I'm your human representing of the authority here, as I'm the pastor, just like you would have to come to the parents of the children if you're dealing with them. So you come to me and say, Pastor Chris, could I clean the toilets? And I would not take that insignificant. Because every one of you appreciates a clean commode. I would not take that insignificant. If somebody come up to me and say, Pastor Chris, it's my duty. I'm going to do it. I'm going to make sure the bathrooms are clean. I won't take that insignificant. And God doesn't either. And you've served somebody today. And so uh, are are you getting weary in what you're doing, I'm going to wipe this kid's butt again one more time in the nursery. And this kid is rowdy. Aye. 
I'm going to sit here for an hour. Preacher, get done. I'm going to do it one more time. I'm going to prepare a meal again for this bunch of people again. I don't know. I'm just using different illustrations because that's what we do around here. We, we try to serve. There's a lot of opportunities to serve. And uh, how's your attitude towards all of that? All right? So we, we finish, I think, point number one here and letter A. And next time we'll go to uh, letter B. All right? Uh, let me read you one more phrase and we're done. Every saint is to be a servant and every member is to be a minister. Our role as laborers for Christ begins the very moment of salvation. I'm so glad the Holy Ghost, as soon as I got saved, put this in my heart. The very first decision I made was to surrender to whatever he wills. That was just natural. I think the Holy Ghost does that to everybody that gets saved. If you get saved, don't let that time pass because the Holy Ghost is going to ask you right away, what is it for you now to do? That's what happened to Paul. What happened to Paul, he was told right away, the next decision, major decision after salvation, is what can I do now to further that gospel? What are you doing, Christian, to further the gospel? And in your labor in the church, some of you are, are busy doing a lot of stuff here. Are you getting weary? Do not get weary in well-doing. All right? It is worth it all. In Jesus' name, we ask it all that you give us power. You give us energy and joy again. Help us to find excitement and zealousness uh, and, and couple it with knowledge, Lord. And let us continue with the work that you've set before us. Lord, you've not changed the job. The job is the same. It's that to see others get saved. And for us to continue to develop into the Christ that you gave us as a gift. Lord, thank you, Jesus. And help us to be more like you. Bless the next service in Jesus' name. Amen.